Welcome to the Sell Well, Do Good podcast. I'm your host, Andy Narricott, and I'm speaking to Scott Roy, CEO of Witten and Roy Partnership, to celebrate the release of the book, Sell Well, Do Good. In this episode, we talk about why sales gets such a bad rap, where people think it's all about pitching or convincing people. We talk about a much more ethical way of doing this, which I hope you enjoy. So Scott, you mentioned that a lot of the social entrepreneurs, they see sales as as some sort of dark art, you know, that they're not, it's not something to be proud of, that you're forcing a product on someone. So how do you, how do you show them that it can in fact be an ethical way to improve people's lives? Yeah. Well, you know, Andy, if you, if you think about what most people think selling is, it starts there. Okay. It starts with the belief that that selling is pitching a product. You know, people oftentimes will talk about your elevator speech or your elevator pitch, or you know, the value proposition, which is your pitch, essentially. This is our product, this is why you should buy it, you know, and and let me convince you of this, you see. So the way most selling is done in the world and what people believe about selling is that the salesperson has to convince the other person that they need a particular product before they'll buy the product. You say now a salesperson does need to show the product and needs to show how the product works, but it's actually the second part of the sale. You say the first part of the sale is something very different that we very rarely, if ever find happening in the sales engagements we have. And this is true, by the way, not just in the developing world with social enterprises, but this is in big corporate America or corporate England or corporate anywhere in the world. Mm. Now we we work with some of the biggest corporations in the world as well, okay? And the, the belief sort of around the world, I guess it's in the air, that people believe that selling is pitching and convincing, okay? And we um, we don't believe that that's the case. And so that's why we call what we call what we call decision intelligence. Our approach to selling is to build people's decision intelligence so that they can make a clear decision about what it is that they want or or what they don't want. Okay. The shorthand for this is called DQ or DQ selling. All right. That's what that's our property is DQ selling. And DQ is like IQ or EQ, you know, IQ academic intelligence or, you know, intellectual intelligence, EQ, emotional intelligence, right? So DQ, decision intelligence, basically does something very different in the fact that it starts with a problem the customer has and has, and and then there's a whole conversation around that problem, you see, and then once that problem is well, well conversed, well plumbed, well understood, you know, at a, at a depth that the client or the customer didn't have before the conversation started, then a very simple question is, is this a problem that you would like to find a solution to? And if the answer to that is yes, now we go into the second part of DQ, which is now here's a solution that can help solve the problem. Or in some cases, when we uncover the problem and unpack it, a salesperson might find out that the product or service they have is not appropriate for this particular client. And so at that point, the right thing to do would be to say, you know, what we have is not going to solve your problem. Or it might be, I'd like to recommend somebody else 
or refer you to somebody else who can solve your problem. It's sort of like what you did earlier today when you mentioned about Mighty Ally, right? And you referred me to them rather than for yourself, right? So that's a good example of DQ in action. So the way this works is that essentially there are two key parts. One is what is the problem that a customer wants to solve? And the second part is what's the solution to that problem? Now, there are two parts to the problem part, okay? one The first part is what are the issues or problems that the customer has? And they may or may not know that they have a problem. So in, in, in the developing world, for example, if you look at uh, agriculture and you have a rice farmer, the rice farmer only knows what he knows. He knows he plants rice and he's done it every year for, you know, for 30 years. And he's doing it because his father taught him how to do it. And his father's father, his father's father's father goes all the way up to, you know, to, to many, many, many hundreds of years ago. Right. And so, and so he only knows that he doesn't know he has a problem. Right. But when a salesperson engages them and says, you know, I want to talk to you about your rice crop. And tell me what are the challenges you face with your rice crop? You know, you know, say, oh, well, we've got pest problems. We have, you know, rats will come and eat it when it's when we've harvested it under the house. Or they'll say, well, we don't get enough rain. Or you know, we have you know this problem with weeds or whatever it might be. And so, uh, oftentimes, the rice farmer will know about that. But then the uh, the salesperson would say, well, tell me why is it you only grow rice? What is the What's the, what's the reason you're not growing other things? Well, I wouldn't know how to do other things. I see. So what you're saying is that you are, you can grow rice, but you're not sure how you would grow long beans. You don't have experience doing that. So now we're into you know understanding the problems that might relate to the product that I have in my bag or what I'm selling, you see. And so, so that's the first part is really engaging a client in understanding of their current problem that they do understand. And then a set of problems that they probably don't understand, or maybe not even have awareness about. You say, and so so that's the first step. And then the second step is then of, on the pro, on, as far as the the major step called the problem. What is the problem? Is what is the cost of the problem? So in other words, what is the problem costing me if I don't solve it? So if a farmer, for example, isn't using modern rice methods or is only growing rice and not growing vegetables. Well, one of the problems is his family can't possibly survive. So therefore he has to leave and go get a job, a second job. And what does that mean? What does that cost the family to have the father not there? You know, what does it cost his family to not have the proper nutrition? What does it cost him in, in the sense of if someone isn't, doesn't have the proper nutrition, and is and also doesn't have enough money to go to school, you know, because they're not generating enough income on that farm. What sort of financial impact does that have on a client? And financial impact is something everyone can relate to. You see, so the cost of the problem can be expressed in qualitative means, or it can be and it can be expressed in quantitative means. So it's always good to express both of those, but specifically the quantitative is the one that really makes it a stark reality, you know, that I, I have a problem. I mean, I'll give you an example. Here at my house here in Tennessee, uh, I uh, had a water leak and I was informed by, I was out of the country at the time, but I was informed by the man who takes care of my house when I'm gone. He says, Scott, we just got a water bill for $833. Well, Andy, my water bill is normally about $30 per month, right? So 
Well, I knew I had a major problem. It was either a big billing error or I had a big leak, right? <laughs> so you can imagine if, if you, you know, you personally, if you received a bill for $833, how would you react to that? Yeah, I'd be shocked. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to know why. Yeah. And how soon would you want to know why? <laughs> Damn, immediately. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's the, that's the power of when that number or, or of reaching a number for people to look at, like, for example, you know, if someone is, is, uh, uh, you know, open defecating as opposed to using a toilet, uh, in Bangladesh, they figured out that the world bank has figured out that that costs a family 142 us dollars a year in, in, in added expenses because of getting sick Mm. medicines, losing work, et cetera. You take that over a five-year period, you have a family who is living on $2 a day and they've spent $1,000 or $900 or $800 over a five-year period. You say, once they see that number, what do you think their reaction is? You say, this is what it's costing you to not have a toilet. Mm. And adds yeah. urgency to it as well. And adds urgency. That's the that's the the, the big thing. So really, um, this selling approach is so powerful, and and yet fairly simple to do. It's just that people don't know to do it. You mm. say, and so it does. It does require uh, knowledge of the methodology, but it also requires um, discipline to do it. You know, the, the the second part of it, which is the solution, is the part that most people think selling is all about, you say, and that's now I'm showing the product, but there's a difference, Andy, is if when you set it up in the way where you have discussed the problem at depth, you've got a cost to the problem, and there's a sense of urgency for the person to do something about it, I don't have to pitch and convince, do I? You say, I don't have to persuade or arm twist or do all the sort of dark art type of things that people associate with selling is because the, the person who's being shown the product is eager to see what the solution is to their problem. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why in, in our book, in fact, this is what the book looks like um, is uh, so well do good is all about teaching people how to do DQ selling is actually how it's the how it's a it's a handbook essentially of how to put a dq selling system at the heart of your business